Merry Christmas, everyone. I pray that you're safe and healthy, and most importantly, on Jesus' birthday today, you know that Jesus was born and came to earth because he loves you. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. I know we're all looking forward to ending this year and moving into a new one. COVID has made 2020 quite a challenging one, and not in many positive ways, but it did have at least one positive effect in our family, in my marriage. My wife, Jen, and I started a new hobby. Did any of you have any extra time for doing projects or start a new hobby during COVID lockdown? Almost every day now, Jen and I play Bananagrams together. Ever heard of it? It's a spelling game with a bunch of letters and you build words based on random letters that you receive. It's really addictive. We play every day and she usually beats me eight out of 10 times, but sometimes I do win. And for one game at least, I had a strategy that I used that I think actually helped me win the game. What did I do? I focused on plain, simple words. Three, three letter words, one, two syllable words that started, and I started to build fast and yell, peel. Get it? Like a banana. I used it multiple times in a row to force her to take lots of letters, and then I won. Letters built into words, words constructed together, is how God chose to communicate with us in the Bible. Quick quiz, how many words do you think there are in the Bible, the entire Bible? Is it A, 100,000, B, 500,000, C, 750,000, D, a million? If you guess C, you're right. Depending on what version of the English Bible you use, 750,000 is the average. And all the 35 plus writers of the Bible, some who were prophets and kings and physicians, shepherds, musicians, tax collectors, Pharisees, some plain old common folk, they used words to write what God wanted them to say in his book. Mostly plain and simple words with some more complex words thrown about too. But all the words were inspired by God himself. Fun fact, in an average Pastor Tony message, I use about 3,600 words, generally seven pages, 12 aerial font size, 1.5 spacing. There, now you know. The Gospel of John, it's a book of the Bible that's so effective in using plain and simple words, but descriptive words to proclaim very profound truths. For example, of the 400 or the 240 something words that we're going to read from the first chapter of John, over 200 of them are one-syllable words. Incredible, isn't it? That there are not many words that are more than two syllables in this chapter. Nevertheless, the Holy Spirit works powerfully through John's simple words to proclaim some very important theology. John tells us the purpose of his writing, this biography of Jesus, near the end of his gospel. He says this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That phrase, so that you may believe, it can also be translated from the original language, so that you may continue to believe. Every Christmas is an opportunity to continue to believe. Believe what? That Jesus is truly the Son of God, that he was born on this earth, that's why we celebrate today, that he lived a perfect life, died an innocent death as a substitute for us, and that he rose again miraculously. 
and that he's going to return to earth someday to take us to be with him in heaven. John was one of Jesus' disciples, and since Jesus changed John's life, John wants everyone else to believe too and have true, eternal, everlasting life with Jesus. Open your Bibles, please, with me to John's Gospel, chapter 1. And before we read the first sentence, another quick quiz. Who remembers how the Bible starts? The very first words in the book God gave as a love letter to us in the book of Genesis. You can peek and look back there at Genesis 1 if you need to. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So keep your finger in Genesis and then go to John 1, verse 1 with me. What are the first three words? In the beginning. In the beginning was the word. It's no accident that the first three words of John's gospel are the same first words of Genesis. God writing through John is referring to the same time in history, a time when nothing existed. A time when God, who is eternal, decided to begin a timeline for this planet called Earth. And Genesis tells us how God put everything into existence. And it's so interesting and amazing that he didn't bring resources from heaven or another planet to make Earth like a science project. No, Genesis 1 tells us how he created the Earth. If you look back there, you can see the first three words of certain verses, 3, 6, 9, 11, and so on. What are those three words? And God said. How did he create everything? By speaking words. And God said, let there be. And there was. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we belong to an almighty, powerful creator. He only needs to speak, to say words, and things burst into existence. It's amazing, isn't it? So God has John begin his gospel, the account about Jesus' life on earth, by referring back to that time of creating the world. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, it says in verse 2. And I can't help but think back to my daily games of bananagrams with Jen. Letters built into words. Words constructed into sentences. In the beginning was the Word. The only way to be in the beginning is to be eternal. And the only thing that existed at the beginning before anything was created is God. So the Word is an eternal being. John communicates in simple language that this Word is not alone as God. Profound theology, simple words. These first two verses tell us that this Word was with God, so He's the second person of God. Who's the second person of the Trinity? Jesus. In verse 3, it says, Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. So the Word, the second person of the Trinity, was actively involved in the creative process. In simple one and two syllable words, this clearly explains, explains to us how God created all things through Jesus, who is referred to as the Word. Now before we begin reading more of, of John's first chapter, I just want us to ponder why God would have us think of Jesus as the Word. You ever wondered that? You know that there's another place in the Bible where Jesus is referred to as the Word. In Revelation, as John writes that too, he says these words. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. A.W. Pink, who is a pastor and author in the early 1900s, had some insights that I want to share with you. He wrote these words. 
Why is the Lord Jesus Christ designated the Word? What is the exact force and significance of this title? The first passage which occurs to our minds as throwing light on this question is the opening statement in Hebrews. God, who at various times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Here we learn that Christ is the final spokesman of God. Christ is the one who made the incomprehensible God intelligible. But let us enter a little more into detail. A word is a medium of manifestation. I have in mind a thought, but others don't know its nature. But the moment I clothe that thought in words, it becomes known. As the word, Christ has made manifest the invisible God. Secondly, a word is a means of communication. By means of words, I transmit information to others. By words, I express myself, make known my will, and impart knowledge. So Christ, as the word, is the divine transmitter communicating to us the life and love of God. Third, a word is a method of revelation. By his words, a speaker exhibits both his intellectual caliber and his moral character. Christ as the word reveals the attributes and perfections of God. How fully has Christ revealed God? He displayed his power. He manifested his wisdom. He exhibited his holiness. He made known his grace. He unveiled his heart. I appreciated the insight he gives into why one fitting title for Jesus is the Word. Jesus communicated who God is to people when he lived on earth. He was a message from God. He spoke of what God's like. Think about how a word is a medium of manifestation. It sure makes sense when we think about our own thoughts and words, doesn't it? No one can see our thoughts. They're invisible, yet they exist. Just like God the Father and the Holy Spirit are invisible. If our thoughts are to become visible in some way, they must move from the invisible realm of our mind into the physical world. So this progression from invisible to visible requires us to transfer our thoughts into spoken words. The brain communicates our thoughts to our mouth where it becomes spoken words. And once the spoken word leaves our mouth, it enters into the physical world and it yields its intended effect. Simple analogy explains how God the Father worked with God the Son, who is the Word. His Word, Jesus, reached into the physical world when He put on flesh and He dwelt among us. That's what we celebrate today on Christmas. So then John goes on in verse 4 to tell us more about the Word. Read along with me. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Our very life relies on Jesus. True life is found in Him alone. Life in Him, it's bright and illuminated. Next, in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. You see, darkness is not a thing in and of itself. It's the absence of something. Darkness is the absence of light. So if the Word who is light is God, then darkness is the absence of light and the absence of the Word the absence of God. See, we know sin and the devil live in the realm of darkness. Yet in revealing this enemy, God gives great hope. The end of verse 5 says so. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it or overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. Light is more powerful than dark. God's more powerful than evil and the devil. In the end, the light of the world will overpower the darkness. And Jesus 
will be eternally victorious. Amen? Now that John has told us the important title Jesus has, being the Word, that He is God, that He's the source of life and light, and that this light drives out the darkness of evil, He tells us that this Word, this light came into the world. Read with me starting at verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. See, people didn't recognize Jesus, even his fellow brothers and sisters, the Jews, who had the light of the written word, rejected him. He was a stranger to those who were created through him. Created didn't recognize their creator. But John writes some good news in verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. See, it isn't what a family or culture you're born into. It isn't what you do or don't do. No human activity whatsoever can make someone into a child of God. God and God alone gives faith to a sinner to believe in Jesus as their Savior. How? By the Word. That powerful Word that converts a sinner to belong into his family, adopted as a brother and sister of the Word and a child of Almighty God. Look at verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This eternal Word Jesus put on flesh. Do you ever think about what God looks like? It's hard, isn't it? God's Spirit, He's so different from us. Before the miraculous conception in Mary, who was a virgin, who found herself pregnant, each person of the Trinity was a spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are not beings like us. They don't have flesh and blood like us as created beings. So Jesus had to become human to come live on earth. He agreed to God the Father's rescue plan to be born a human baby so that he could live here and fully obey all the commands of God that we couldn't. He did that so he could be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He knew he would bear the burden and the punishment that our sin deserved. He left heaven became flesh, made his dwelling among us. So the end of verse 14 says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. You know, there are many, many words in our world today, aren't there? Words from family and friends, words from the news, songs, movies, social media, commercials, everywhere. It's hard to know which ones are true and which ones are untrue, isn't it? Where can we always go for true words? Let me ask the kids watching now. What is true, true, true? The Bible is true, true, true. God's Word. Jesus is the Word. He is truth. He is life. He is light. And today we celebrate the day of His birth on earth. Happy birthday, Jesus. Let's close by praying together the words Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Merry Christmas.